to the Business Design Podcast, where we design business. I mean, um, I'm confused today. The Business Design Podcast, we find guests from all over the place to talk about their businesses. I'm Randy Baker. Oh, I'm, I'm Dr. Kim. And he remembers who he is today, so that's a good start. Today we're going to Asheville, North Carolina, where we're talking with Laura McCann. And I can I can smell uh, Laura from here, actually. Well, I'm sure that's a good scent, not a bad it one. It is. It is. It's an essential. Actually, scent. one of the things we're talking about, and you're going to have to listen to right towards the end of this podcast, when Laura talks about abundance in a way that we don't often hear it. It's true. She's especially sensitive to fear. <laughs> it's a terrible joke about smells, right? Anyway, we start out this, this chat by talking about AI smells, you know, like, um, you know, ways of having a, a smellerator uh, next to your uh, speakers, you know, on your computer. So you could actually smell yourself right into Randy's office or mine right now. And... That would be very disturbing. But let's not think too hard about that. Let's um, let's just go now and listen to our interview with Laura McCann. After a nice deep breath, of course. Laura, nice to talk with you. I am almost sensing the um, the wonderful smell of your office through the uh, mm, camera here. Yes. I've, I've been sort of anticipating that one of these days we're going to get smell-o-vision. Exactly. <laughs> What do you think about the idea of of having a little scent dispenser right next to everybody's computer that just kind of wafts a certain sense according to who you're talking uh, to? You know, if it's natural, I'm all for it. If it's the poison that's typically sold, let's not. <laughs> awesome. Well, fun to, fun to start with a view towards the future. So with a view towards the present, we were just chatting about stores being open or not, masks or not. It's been a crazy couple of years, especially you opened a, a location during this whole time, right? Yeah, so we, we made a pivot, and the pivot was to open a store in Asheville, North Carolina in November, right, in the middle of COVID before vaccines. And um, it's been a very good business decision. It's also been interesting being out in the public during this whole span because you can definitely see just in the last three weeks there's a little bit of a uh, end of summer lull, masks coming back, back to school. So really right now, I think business is still going to be good. It's just the children is what everybody's concerned about. And so let's hope they have a, a safe back to school. So I'm going to jump in there real quickly on the business side. So you've, you've opened a, a retail outlet. What do you sell and how have masks impacted that? Mm, so we're in the scent business and so we sell aromatherapy, aroma perfume, they're all breathable scents. So our whole mandate is to take the best breath of your life. So obviously when somebody comes in and they're wearing a mask, how do you do that? Strangely enough, uh, it's been totally doable. I know the larger retailers took away testers and took away all the things that you could sample, but in our store, sampling is strong. We do everything we can to keep people safe. So like I usually uh, have myself or the person who's showing people products touch everything so that way everybody isn't touching everything and we use scent strips and we throw them away is it a hundred percent safe probably not 
but people will lift things and put them under their mask or people will smell them. It's, you know, it's just a, a preference. <laughs> like we were saying, everybody's free to do as they wish. I wasn't thinking about that until you started sort of describing that. But when I put on, I have these um, Korean masks I use. They're like the Korean version of the, the N95. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're good. They're nice. They just kind of tuck to your face. But they have this kind of smell to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of a clean, hospitally sort of smell. I'm like, is that healthy? I, I can't tell if it is or isn't. I mean, it's probably it's protecting me, but thinking, what am I inhaling yeah. here? Now, the challenge right. with the masks, I'm not an expert on breath, but when we exhale, you know, there's all the carbon monoxide. And if you can't inhale without taking back in that carbon monoxide, it gets a little challenging. That's why we all get out of breath when we're talking with the masks. So, you know, being able to add scent, spray around, breathe in through the mask, do the good exhale. But yes, selling scent during COVID would be much more challenging, except that what we're, our value proposition is really about having people breathe and breathe in healthy ingredients. And as we describe it, they're the key ingredient, their breath and their intention is the key ingredient. We just put the other things in a bottle healthy things, essential oils, water, a carrier, no chemicals, no alcohol, so that that breath that they're taking, which is now more important than ever, is one that's not actually just helping them breathe, it's actually shifting their mood, giving them power over themselves, whether it's more grounding, more motivation, more calm, less anxiety. So that's what we're up to. And the retail store has been quite interesting because of course we sold to the spa industry and to other retailers and we were primarily a manufacturer and scaled to do volume and in our new pivot we're very much focused on direct-to-consumer and so the store is uh, a key pillar to the business and now we're moving towards more of a direct-to-consumer model which again in the fragrance space requires some new tools to get people to sample and try things before they buy them. That is a a funny thing about online culture is you got to get stuff shipped to you, which, you know, Zappos and then Amazon and all these places like free shipping, free this and that. And you ship it to yourself and then you ship it back. Very interesting. You can try it on. But with scents, it is, that's the kind of thing where you try it on, you bring it back to the store. They're like, we're going to have to throw this out. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. You can't recycle it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why physical stores are really great for our specific category. But there are some people cracking the code of selling scent online. A lot of it's done through being able to purchase smaller size perfumes. Then you try three, maybe there's something you like and you incentivize the customer to come back and buy a full size product. So we're about to launch uh, a program like that. I wouldn't say it's taken us a long time to do it, except that it has. And part of the reason why is that like anything, when you're moving to a direct to consumer model, it's a completely different business and it requires a completely different team, capital, workflows. I mean, it's like the store and the online business only co-join in that we can ship from the store and carry the inventory and use the store as a place that can do both. But otherwise, they're not the same business at all. So where did you start business? Did you start from 
wanting to create a business? Did you start from smelling something great, from being interested in sort of the whole, you know, clean essential oils, that kind of thing? What, what was the start? What was the genesis? Yeah, actually, I started as an investor. So I was working with the founder at the time of a company who had uh, created this line of products. And as a woman entrepreneur, I was doing uh, mentoring and consulting. And so my initial jumping in was to help her with the business to see if we could turn it from a kitchen table business into a viable business. And then along the way, as I delved into the market opportunity, I started to see there were some unique attributes to this particular category, which were that I saw a lot of white space. There wasn't really an aromatherapy shelf at any retailer that I ever shopped. And then as a consumer, I had absolutely no idea how to use the products and felt like there was a, a gap between the opportunity of the story, which is really giving you functional fragrance that's good for you. Um, but I didn't like the way the story was being told. Primarily, essential oils are in the domain of multi-level marketing firms, and there are several that are billion-dollar companies. And so it was very intriguing to me that this wasn't carried over into like a brand that everybody knew that wasn't an MLM. And I started to spend more time investigating it. And the more I did, the more I saw what this industry offers, which is it's either a completely gigantic opportunity and maybe we'll take advantage of it, or it's a very niche opportunity and maybe that's actually a better market opportunity. And so we're exploring and A-B testing all of it and trying out different pricing, packaging, different models to see if we can figure out how to crack the code of creating the first mainstream aroma perfume brand. So you started in this business as a, uh because you are an investor and you have an entrepreneurial spirit. So were you one of these seven-year-old girls that love to have you know, lemonade stands out the front of their house? You know, I wasn't that, but I started my career at the age of six, as a matter of fact, as a child actress. So I've always, I guess, been selling a story maybe other people's and playing a role, and the role could be anything from an ingenue to at one point I was raised in France and I literally was a French girl. <laughs> Although, as you can see, I'm quite American, so that might have been the best part I ever played. But no, anything I've always... <laughs> on, anything on YouTube that people can look up? You can. I was called <laughs> La Petite Sirene. It's a French movie. If you Google that, you'll get The Little Mermaid, the Disney movie. That wasn't me. I was the other sirene, the other mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think... Entrepreneurship is in the blood, and then telling stories is definitely part of it. And as far as I can remember, I've always been a creative person, so taking my ideas and turning them into things is really what motivates me. My background is and training is as a fashion designer. So, you know, you start with a sketch or fabric and you have clothing on the other side. So this is very much the same process, just it inject beauty instead of fashion so were you in the drama club in high school and performing in the performing no arts? in france they have none of that no in france there's nothing you can't even play sports so i was just a working child actress you know from the age of seven and my parents divorced and moved from miami to paris when i was 
uh, seven years old and I grew up in France and continued acting in France. And then when I was 19, I moved back to the States and I didn't continue acting. Instead, I, you know, went to college and studied fashion, but all these things converge. And I think the character of a CEO is we all get there from different places. I'm just learning how to bring all those aspects of myself into what I do so that I'm a more integrated CEO and really living my entrepreneurship as not, what can I say? It's not, it's, it has to be integrated into my life. Whereas in the past, it was definitely leading me towards something. Now it's more like, I matter more, entrepreneurship comes second. But for many, many years, entrepreneurship led me to many places that, you know, maybe you don't always want to go with the highs and lows of what that is. So what's your big um, plan with your current company? Um, clearly, you've brought it from one one kind of delivery model into another, and now you're looking at a third as a CEO, presumably with some other hats within the company as well, you know, being the founder and, and so on. What's your what's your strategy? I yeah. mean, a lot of people talk about an exit strategy. Are you going for an exit strategy? Or are you going for more of a, a growth strategy? Uh, what's your what's your plan? So yeah, it's such a great question. I am anti growth, and I don't want to say anti strategy. I'll just put it out there that I think there's this opportunity as entrepreneurs that's missed. We're not teaching entrepreneurs this, which is to create a profitable, scalable business. I call it a main street business with the fundamentals of a main street model, which means it has to make money and you have to pay yourself or you don't keep going. Now that I'm a retailer, I'm in a beautiful arcade in North Carolina and all around the arcade are shopkeepers. And none of those shops would be in business if they were not making money. And none of them are borrowing money or getting investors. They open up the doors seven days a week and they sell stuff and they do it again and they do it again. So there's something about the fundamentals of that kind of business that's not being taught. We're teaching everybody to grow, 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 use other people's money. And there's something about it that I think having tried it, having done it in different businesses that I've had, this is my fifth business. For this business, I'm trying to do it like old school immigrant style, <laughs> which is it pays for me, it pays for my employees, it pays for itself. And then on top of that, we're trying to grow it incrementally. The online business requires a completely different capital, you know, raise or, or capital intensive, especially around how do you drive traffic, do ads, don't do ads. Just the marketing expense of an online business exceeds the amount of profit we make or the amount of sales we make in our store. And the store would be profitable if we got rid of the online business. So it's a really interesting dilemma to look at, especially when you're using your own capital and your own time. But that's what I'm thinking about. Let's see if we can figure out how to grow online and have it be a percentage of the total business. And then I think retail is not dead. I think opening up retail stores is probably a very good idea. There was a big negative, don't open stores, sell online. And now the press, I think, is saying the same thing. Stores matter, they matter for a reason. So I think if we were to grow, we would probably open up more stores. I find that, uh, that interesting. Everything that I am reading over the last two, maybe three years has indicated the decline of the retail 
retail markets, largely it's the big box brands, it's the big retail stores, it's the and there's there's still room for the boutique type places to sell unique products and there's a market for that. But an awful lot of consumers are going to stores to get the touch and feel and then going online to get the pricing. Mm-hmm. So being anti-growth is an interesting concept because most small businesses die broke. Yeah. The, oh, totally. Know, die broke. Yeah. So there has to be an element of growth or there's slow decline. Yes. So So growth, yeah. And so if you're a beauty brand today, you could be on Amazon. There's a lot of pros and cons. You could sell wholesale to big box stores, many, many pros and cons. You could try to sell online. And so the thing and the truth of it is as a small business, they're asking you to do what a big business does, which is everything. And it's impossible to do that. And even if you had all the capital in the world, what would they tell you? Do one thing and do it well. (laughs) So like a story recently out is Glossier, which is the big unicorn in the beauty industry. They just raised, I think, another $70 million to do what? Open stores, even though they're online. So if you're online, you need stores. If you're stores, you need online. The truth is you need more than one pillar, right, for the business to be in growth And you have to go find that somewhere. And so the typical strategies are do many, many things. But there's also the strategy of do the same thing well and repeat it, which is very different than that, which I think opening stores kind of could be that if you know that you have a store and it's profitable and you're a manufacturer and now you have three stores and you could sell all three stores, the products you're making, the volume increase helps. And so that's another way that you can do it. But this only works if you're a vertical brand, if you're maybe a different kind of brand and you're selling what everybody else is selling, it's much more difficult. So we're, we only sell our products and our experiences and they're not sold anywhere else right now. Yeah, which is the way the Kendra Scott uh, brand did it. They created the retail mm-hmm. environment that was not available anywhere else and then shot up retail stores everywhere doing the same thing. Yeah. And retail, if you're going to Soho, right, that might be really expensive, but maybe you don't have to be setting up stores that are billboards. You set up stores where you're really selling products to people that want them. Yeah. Cool. So let me ask just as kind of a a wrap question Mm -hmm. here, because um, not the musical term, (laughs) as a closing question here, because we, we like to keep these interviews pretty short. The, one of the things most intriguing to me from the first uh, first time we chatted was the idea of bringing together kind of a fusion of where perfume is and where the essential oil folks are. Mm. It's a difficult thing to be uh, kind of a bridge between two different segments, particularly mm. as sort of the David versus the Goliath. You can do it in a retail uh, setting because people just happen upon the store or they get recommended and they show up and they say, wow, this is really special. But how do you feel kind of being that sort of in in that bridge area where you're not, I mean, you are perfume and you are Mm. essential oils and you are in between? You know, it's, it requires education. Anytime you have to educate the customer, it's either an opportunity or a challenge. I remind myself that about, 15 years ago, nobody did yoga or knew what it was, and now everybody does. So I think all of these things will have their moment. 
And then the question is, can you be there early enough to be like a Anita Roddick with the body shop, right? Can you be there early enough, tag, you know, just doing your thing that eventually you're in it before everybody else figures it out and you can maybe be the one to ride the wave when it goes more mainstream. But the thing about what we're doing, and this is the other aspects, and I know we're trying to wrap it up, is anytime you do a business that has consciousness as a part of it, so I've looked at being beauty, indie beauty, clean beauty, and now I think of ourselves as conscious beauty, which isn't a B Corp, but it's kind of going in that direction. As soon as you have products that are vibrational and conscious, you're dealing with a completely different conversation. And I suspect that they're not designed to be mass. They're designed to be niche, but niche is very nice if you own your niche. I like that. And I love the, the, the term vibrational. I got to adopt that in some way. <laughs> so from uh, this, this fun interview from uh, computer sense devices to vibrational thinking about business, really appreciate chatting with you. It's been fun to, to get to know you some more. So where can people find you? And more importantly, where can they find your stuff? And who do you want to reach out to? Yeah, we'd love for you to check us out at adoratherapy.com, all one word. And we have a nice website. We ship everywhere. You can learn more about how to boost your chakras, how to make your rooms smell intentional and boost and shift your mood through your breath. And if you're in Asheville, we'd love to have you come by the store in the Grove Arcade. Awesome. So fun to chat with you. And I... Yeah, my, my whole environment just smells worse to me now uh, <laughs> where I'm sitting. <laughs> well, yeah, you yeah. can uh, look on the site and we'll get you set up. We'll send you both some something. I sprayed uh, passion, but I think I'm going to send uh, Kent some abundance and Randy, I'm going to send you some clear away. And when we're done with this, send me Do your it. shipping addresses and we'll get you guys breathing, breathing in your podcasts. <laughs> there she goes talking about my accent again. <laughs> you anybody can send me abundance anytime. That, I will. Is, that is a nice offer. That is a great That's offer. Very nice. Yeah. So go get yourself some abundance, listeners, um, <laughs> and uh, and the other inspirational uh, scents. Very cool. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. So thanks, Laura. It is so refreshing to speak to somebody who is actually doing it and making it happen. I love the way you talked about retail as being something that is not dying in the way that we have all been told that it is dying. So we see strip malls dying everywhere. We see the traditional big box stores dying. But you've broken the code and you're creating retail stores that work. So the discussion about uh, growth and all of that is really interesting on the you know kind of on the flip side of, of the growth discussion that, that there's one thing that stood out to me the the sort of investing you know kind of beware of investing too much in online advertising i think that's something to kind of reach out to our listeners and say um, that's a dangerous place to go and it was really informative to hear laura talk about you know the profits uh, from the store and where it's very difficult to get into the online space because advertising costs money. So if you go that route, there's a great risk there. So we're not big believers in traditional online advertising. We believe there's a different way to create 
visibility online without having to pay for ads. And some of those IDs you'll find on our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's a little assessment on the top right-hand corner of that website. You can click that button, do the free assessment, find out how visible you really are. We'll take a couple of minutes to look at your answers and send back a response. If you do have a Smellerator, click on the blue button right now and uh, a scent will be released that that brings you calm and uh, inspiration. No, I'm just kidding. But Laura does have great scents, as you heard, named after inspiring things like abundance. So cool. Love that concept. I hope it does really well online. And if you want to do well, you got to keep listening to us. So, you know, hit the red button on your Smellerator that says subscribe. And if you've really got something to say, we'd love to get your comments. We love reading. It's awesome. Don't hit the yellow button. Yeah, not a good plan. Mm-hmm.